0: London Property, home of Super Prime, where you can find informative, educational, and entertaining content covering all aspects of property. Hello, and welcome to the London Property Podcast. I'm your host, Farnaz Fazaypour, and today we're in conversation with Andrew Fishman of Philip Ross Solicitors, who will be talking to us about state planning and probate.
1: Hello, Farnaz. Thank you for receiving me.
0: Uh, It's a pleasure. So, Andrew, Uh, We're going to try and um, have this conversation both about the planning part and what happens after the event. So in an ideal world, somebody comes to you and gets prepared on how to handle their estate after they pass on. So can we start with that?
1: Indeed, we would start with preparing a will for the client who's come to talk to me. And in order to Prepare the will needs to contain the appointment of at least one executor, which can be a spouse or a member of the family or a professional person like myself, for example. Um, And we would need to get an understanding of what the obligations of the testator, the person that's going to make the will, um, is. His obligations will be if he's married, if he's got children he's supporting, whether they're juniors or adults, or any other particular obligations that he or she might have. Um, And um, we need an understanding of what is in his estate, what property he might own, where does he live, does he own the property either alone, singly, or with his wife, how do they hold it as joint tenants or tenants in common. Most people have no idea about that issue Um, and it's relevant for the purposes of working out how to deal with what's in their estate so that the wishes of the testator are followed. What do you want? Where do you want your money to go? Do you want it to go to your family? If you have no family, do you want it to go to charity? There are tax Distinctions and advantages to be obtained. Uh, If you leave your money to charity, the inheritance tax rate is reduced. The inheritance tax planning is an important part of all of this because the rate is 40%, which is pretty hefty. And people uh, want to look generally at ways of mitigating what will be the uh, revenue um, take share of the estate uh, when you pass away? And that's the kind of questions that one would want to ask.
0: Um, I'm not an expert, but the joint tenants and tenants in common, one gives you the right without the other person to make decisions and the other doesn't? Or is that too simplistic?
1: Not quite the answer. Joint tenancy means that they own the property together, and uh, on the death of one of them, the survivor automatically takes the property. On a tenancy in common, that is not the case. And the property can and is often held in unequal shares uh, and there's no automatic right of survivorship. If a husband and wife own a property as a joint tenants, then as joint tenants, then on the death of one of them, you only need to file the death certificate at the Land Registry in order for the survivor to be the sole proprietor of the property. On a tenancy in common, you have to have a grant. You have to have a court order of either a grant of probate of a will or letters of administration if there is no will.
0: Okay, so um, talking about... Uh, letters of administration when there is no will, um, how much of that is written in law and how much of that might depend on maybe you know a person comes from a different country where different religious things apply or is, is that not something that 's really taken into consideration
1: you 're really only looking at assets for the purposes of an intestacy, which is what you call it when there 's no will um, or a probate um, in respect of assets which are actually in the UK. In other words, um, we are not particularly concerned or interested in what assets might exist in another country. Uh, if somebody passed away wherever and have assets in the UK, then you need a court order to be able to unlock those assets. And that's the key consideration for what we, need to do, we do and how we need to handle things.
0: And then apart from a will, um, you can also put in place lasting power of attorneys. And those are, I suppose, in case of illness. So other people can make decisions on your behalf or what other purpose do they sell?
1: Well, there's two types of lasting powers of attorney. There's a health and welfare and a property and finance. They have to be valid. They have to be registered at the Office of Public Guardian. It's a bit of a process, but it's all very doable. And there are fees paid to the Office of Public Guardian of £82 per power. And you ideally need to do both. The health and welfare is obviously uh, applicable if somebody becomes infirm and someone else needs to make decisions about where they're looked after um, even as to whether they should be resuscitated in the event of that occurring, that unlikely event occurring. Um, A property and welfare, excuse me, property and finance is what it says on the tin. In other words, if people make decisions about your money, about your assets, about your property, um and a bank, for example, won't uh, allow you to access someone's um, account without a registered uh, lasting power of attorney in which covers that aspect of matters.:
0: So you, you are entitled to access funds in a bank account with a lasting power of attorney after someone's passed.
1: No, no. Up until they've passed. Up until on death, the lasting powers of attorney lapse.
0: Okay, so there is nothing that really you could put in place that could help with the administration processes involved in insurance or utilities or so on um, until you actually get the probate.
1: No, you can take steps on death the it has to be registered at the local registry office and you get a death certificate the death certificate is the first piece of um official paper that will enable you to organize utilities to where person's live um the utility office will um will uh, allow you to give instructions on uh, the presentation of a death certificate it will identify who has notified the registry of the death of the deceased. Um, ideally you'd probably want a, a lawyer to guide you through the process so that it's, uh, it's dealt with properly. There is a, a form that you can fill out when you register the death which gives notification to the Inland Revenue, the Pensions Office and various other uh, government organizations to simplify uh, what needs to be done on the demise of, uh, of somebody. But I repeat, if that person has assets, whether they're premium bonds, savings accounts, a property, you're not going to be able to unlock those assets uh, without a grant, an order of the court, which is either a grant of probate of a will or letter of administration if there's no will.
0: And how does uh, an inheritor or or an executor get to that process of of actually getting that from the courts?
1: You have to essentially go through the process whereby the assets of the deceased are valued how much is the property's worth, how much money's in the bank, what's the value of an insurance policy, and so on. There's a process, a form to fill out, uh, and um, you go through that process and present it to the uh, inland revenue uh, who agree the list and determine how much inheritance tax has to be paid, if any. Um, and once the tax is paid, either in one lump, uh, or by installments, subject to that, the values that are being agreed, um, the court will issue a grant, a document which gives the authority to the applicant, who is the executor or administrator, as the case may be, so that they can access the, uh, the assets. It takes time. And currently, in pandemic, it takes a ridiculously long period of time. Um, it used to be six to eight weeks from presentation. Um, they're taking up to six months at the moment. So it it does create its own uh, its own headaches.
0: And is that process different when when there is a will and when there isn't a will?
1: Um, only in the administration process the answer is not for the public it's not it's a process that's slightly variant for us but it's not really uh, very much different for the uh, for the applicant
0: unless i suppose there's a dispute because there isn't a will and then there's a dispute about who gets what then okay. you're going into a whole other can of worms <laughs> exactly that's a different different <laughs> that's uh, a whole different conversation yeah
1: and the identity i'm sorry let me just repeat the if there is no will so there's no appointed executor. Then there's a, a list in the legislation of who can apply for the grant of letters of administration. Okay, and that obviously has to be considered when um, uh, when uh, you look at the paperwork in detail.
0: And does this country accept? Because I mean, I'm going back to this this question again. In certain religions, you don't have to write anything because it's written in in in, in the religious...
1: You're talking what? about Sharia.
0: Sharia, yes, in particular, mm. where, you know, depending on what sect they're from, it is written that, you know, girls get that much, boys get that much. Is that something that the courts here recognise?
1: Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Um, uh, I've done a number of... Uh, less of administration where there's no will and Sharia law applies and you have to divide the assets in accordance with Sharia law. Uh, That's that's what the clients, that's what the applicants or the family want and you inevitably do what they want.
0: And just quickly touching on the, the utility subject that we discussed, building insurance, so if building insurance is in the name of the deceased, then it expires or it it stops being effective at the time that they pass on?
1: No, what you do is you give notification to the insurance company that Mr. Jones has passed away and that the cover on the building has to continue. Um, And uh, you advise if the building is empty, if this is, if Mr. Jones was the sole occupant of the property, you will say the the property is vacant, in which case they apply different criteria from what would be the case if it were occupied. Um, again, it's just a bureaucratic process, but it is an ob- executor's obligation to ensure that the property is insured.
0: Obviously, the, the best way to deal with this is to, prepare in advance of what you want to happen so that you mitigate the tax exposure and liability. Indeed. And that is something where people can come to you and decide how to plan for that.
1: It's very worthwhile. Um, I think, as I might have said to you, 65% of the UK population who should make a will have not done so. And there is... A considerable value for people who have property and assets to come and consult with someone like myself, who can look at what they own, decide what they might be worth, and how to mitigate the potential tax liability that will arise on the de- on their death. Um, and I can supply examples of where. Uh, I have done precisely that um, and I had a particular case of an elderly gentleman who was not very well, uh, who uh, had a, a lady companion who was helping to care for him somewhat younger than he and um, I encouraged them to get married because there's no tax between husband and wife. Uh, and uh, that is what took place. He passed away. Uh, and we have dealt with the transfer by her um, to members of his family um, and uh, into vivos gifts of the significant assets that he owned. Um, and she survived seven years and they will escape inheritance tax.
0: Right. And is there anything else that people should should be thinking about with residency, non-residency and, and assets abroad or anything like that, that all goes, falls under the, the will, or is that something that's not
1: relevant here? You, If you bring assets into the realm of the UK tax authorities, uh, then on demise they will want to... Um, they will want to take their share of the value of that element, of those overseas assets. Um, And um, clients are generally discouraged from doing uh, their wills in that way. What often happens is that um, someone will own a property and they live abroad uh, and they have made their will abroad and nothing in the UK. The um, overseas people who uh, are represented by their own lawyers will uh, send the overseas grant to London to be validated here so that uh, we can then deal with the disposal of the UK assets. Because without that, there isn't an order of the court to be able to... um, access or dispose of the assets in the UK P- lots of overseas people own flats and houses they've got insurance policies they've got savings they won't be able to unlock those on an overseas grant without validation in the UK uh, courts
0: so you can use an overseas grant to go to the courts here and get it validated yes okay and what what about in reverse so if you if you have something that is abroad, but you've died here.
1: You've got the, You've got the reverse situation. Um, I have advised clients about how to hold the assets overseas, um, and uh, for example, in France, there is a, a methodology of uh, owning assets. Um, so that on the death of the person in the UK, um, there is uh, no need to get a court order. There is a way in which it works. Um, But um, that's another topic. That's another topic. Yeah.
0: But that's about transferring it, but but isn't tax payable here on it?
1: Um, No, because it's not an asset owned here.
0: It's a deep discussion that people should really have and prepare for in advance for the
1: absolutely for their you, families. If you, everybody's circumstances are different, um, and uh, it's an interesting intellectual exercise to have to sit and converse with clients about and to determine what is best in the interests of them and their families, um, and every case is different. Um, and uh, it, it's worth having the, top, the discussion. You can potentially uh, save significant wealth for your family if you put effort and energy into thinking how to do it. I wrote a piece called The Wisdom of the Will uh, for circulation, and um, people need to do it.
0: I'm definitely going to read that. And plan for my 11 and 13 year olds. Well, thank you very much. That was very, very interesting, insightful, and obviously um, opens up a lot of questions for a lot of our listeners. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to help them plan
1: for their future. Happy to do so.
0: Thank you. Uh, We hope you found that interesting and insightful like we did. If you'd like to get in touch with Andrew or any of our other experts in our directory, then do please get in touch and we will find you the right solutions. Thanks for listening to the London Property Podcast. Head over to londonproperty.co.uk and subscribe to our newsletter to receive latest updates.